listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Closer to God. My name is Tom Chick, and to discuss Closer to God, I have brought along Christian Mulvaney. I'm also biologically my own brother. And with our Closer to God tagline, Kelly Wand. Just don't clone bald kids. Uh, Kelly Wand, is there a backup tagline for Closer to God? Uh, clones are dicks. That's a good one. Yes, I like that. I like your first also, one. Yes, go ahead. I saw Human Centipede 3. Oh my god, why would you do that? Wow. Because I wanted to have a double feature with Closer to God as like, what does it mean to be human kind of thing. And, and it, I just and, want to say, it didn't live up to my expectations. Human Centipede 3 fell short of my expectations. Well, it's basically just Dieter Laser yelling for 90 minutes. Ah, you saw it. Of course I saw it. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's not much centipede action in it. There really isn't, is there? Uh, yeah. No. Uh, there is some, screaming. There's some interesting Eric Roberts, who also stars in the latest Rihanna video, of course. Um, yeah, he plays the president. Yep. Or the governor. Uh, yeah, just a governor. Um, but yeah, I got so sick of Like, I loved Dieter Laser in the first one, but I don't know what they were telling him to do or why he was doing it, but I could not stomach more. I mean, five minutes of assuming Centipede 3 is just insufferable. It's where the centipede is, you're relieved to see it, because you go, well, that's less annoying to me than Dieter Laser's Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I've yeah. only seen the first one, but I liked that guy. He's the scientist, right? No, he's great in that one. Yeah, and but when he's a prison warden, he's miscast. Well, it's not so much the problem that he's a prison warden, it's just that Tom Six, I think, just told him, hey, uh, gave him a lot of dialogue and told him to just yell for, for the whole time. Oh. But you know what was even worse than Human Centipede 3? I saw Poltergeist. Yes, and it's it's I don't I don't I would clearly not worse than Human Centipede three. It is. It's no, no, no. I mean, I've seen it. I, I would disagree with that. What? I would rather watch the Poltergeist reboot than Human Centipede three. Dieter Laser's better than Sam Rockwell is. Uh, I don't think Sam Rockwell was in Poltergeist reboot. I don't. Remember. What about how the tree just throws the kid down right nice and gently on the yard in front of the car, and then Sam Rockwell's reaction is. Wait, what's going on? Yeah, I don't think Sam Rockwell's in it. I don't remember that. Okay, think... getting back to Human Centipede 3. <laughs> I mean, Eric, are you guys kidding that Eric Roberts was in that movie? Eric Roberts will do anything. But yeah, he's in Human Centipede 3. Um, Sam Rockwell he's... is in Poltergeist, but everybody in Poltergeist is completely forgettable. Yeah. Um, they ruin everything. Even Jared Harris. I mean, it's a real crime to make you forget Jared Harris is in a movie, especially when he's supposed to be the like crazy, like the memorable... Not, comedic role but he's the he's the eccentric side he's the zelda rubenstein but he's right. irish that's yeah. the twist i hated every character they're all dicks to each i remember how awesome the family is in the first poltergeist and how fun they were and how they all got along and they kind of stood up for each other and i don't know unless they're just like they never listen to the nervous kid who's trying to tell them there's ghosts around Everyone's well, fucking stupid. They're trying to do this thing, which is really weird, too, where when uh, Carol Ann, excuse me, I mean Maddie, uh, Maddie. gets kidnapped, um, rather than go to the police, uh, Sam Rockwell basically has him convince his family, we can't go to the cops, they'll think we did it. Yeah. Uh, which is like a really weird choice, and it makes you think, Sam Rockwell, you're being a dick. I mean, do, do the right thing, alert the authorities, this is really misguided, and they set it up. Uh by making him really insecure about uh, about losing his job and, and, and being able to support his family. Um, 
So they really make him oddly – like if you're paying attention, which there's no reason to do in a, polter, in a Poltergeist reboot. But if you're paying attention, they really make him oddly unsympathetic. Um, yeah. Well, in the first one, there were no cops, which to me was always kind of fascinating. Like they probably just went, oh, you got a Poltergeist problem? All right. I don't remember. How did they – like how do Craig T. Wilson and, and Joe Beth Williams not go to the cops when she gets kidnapped in the first one? They I probably don't, don't even think about it. Yeah, because it's like what are the cops going to do? But here – but his yes. boss brings him and takes him on that tour of the cemetery and goes, "Hey, you should go back to work, dude. I don't know what's going on at home. I guess you're. I guess they don't know. They haven't told anybody." Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just scared, I, I think. Uh, but here, it's I guess in this culture of like missing children, you go to the cops and you have an Amber Alert or whatever. They in the script, they feel like they needed to address it. Uh, well, yeah, no, it's just Yeah, yeah. And um, like the stab the face, the drill. Replacing that. Oh yeah, what was up with that? Yeah, these were dumb. There's nothing scary in it. it. Really upset me more than Human Centipede. But anyway, IMDb. <laughs> oh, so Kelly Wand, why don't you give us an IMDb synopsis before we talk about Closer to God of a movie that we don't know what it is. You read us the synopsis, and me and Dingus try to guess it. This is a movie I didn't know existed, so I doubt you will have. But you'll see why I picked it. Sixteen-year-old okay. Zoe Stevens, a skilled dancer and straight-A student, is having a hard time adjusting to a new high school, a new and klutzy dance squad, a new stepdad, three new rowdy stepbrothers, and an unruly dog. But things change when a dog training app on her smartphone begins to somehow control all the boys around her. Wow. You didn't see that twist coming at the end, did you? That's what the movie's about. Uh, yeah, I don't know it, but I look forward to finding out what such a movie would be called. What's the uh, name? I, I think it would be called Boy Whisperer. Oh, I'm going to guess it's called iBoys. Uh, iBoys. Uh, it's, yeah. it's simply called Zapped. 2014. Right. I know, they stole the title, and they instead of telekinesis, it's an app that makes boys uh, obey right. her. And you don't feel compelled to see this, Kelly Wand? No, I was going to do the Zapped opsis, and then I found... Wait, they remade Zapped? And then I read that, and I was like, uh, I better tell the guys about this. So instead of her, it, what they've done is they've switched the male yeah. protagonist for a female protagonist. Yeah. But she doesn't have the mental power. She has to download it to her phone. They switched the clown for, for 12 clowns with fangs. Wait, that's the other movie. I'm sorry. What's your question? This isn't literally a remake of Zapped, is it? They just happen to call this Zapped? Okay. My theory now is it's not. But that wouldn't surprise me, though. Like, you know, this thing's too dirty. We've got to make it more kid-friendly. How about it's about a chick learning to become a female-dominant person (laughs) using technology? That's what all kids can relate to. All right. Well, if you out there... Dog training out. If you've seen the 2014 Zapped out there, uh, let us know if it's worth checking out. Dude, if that that would be that sexism if it was like a guy fighting a dog training app on a smartphone. It lets him control all the girls. That would be huge. that would be everyone would freak out. That would be an Adam Sandler comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A cat training app would be funnier. We saw that in Inside Out. <laughs> all right, and with that musical transition, Dingus, why don't you tell folks what we saw this week? All right, well, this week we saw Closer to God, Mm. a limited-release 2015 American horror science fiction thriller movie Mm -hmm. about sibling rivalry. It was written and directed by Billy Sinise and stars Jeremy Childs, Chilean Newman, Shannon Hope, David Alford, and Isaac Disney. 
Closer to God is so far not rated, so I don't know what to tell you. All right. Closer to God does not have a theatrical – oh, it had a very limited theatrical release, but not yeah. enough to, to register for box office. It's mainly a video-on-demand release. You can uh, get it from uh, iTunes, Amazon.com, wherever you Demanded. see your favorite movies. Uh, if we look at the critical response to Closer to God, on Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews that are positive, straight down the middle, 50%. Yeah. That's neat and clean. Just cut right down the middle. There. Just like a chromosome. Splits yeah. On Metacritic, the uh, which is the average rating from various reviews, not quite right down the middle, but close. It's at 54. Huh. Kelly Wand, now maybe you haven't seen Closer to God, uh, in which case... Yeah, I did. Uh, not, Kelly Wand, I'm talking to the listeners. Oh. Yeah. You said Kelly Wand. Well, yeah, it's Kelly Wand, and then I started a different sentence. I'm, I'm, I'm aborting that sentence. I'm moving on to a different one. And telling the Wait, listeners... I should have aborted the clone. Maybe you haven't seen Closer to God, and you don't want it spoiled for you, in which case... Fast forward to our three by three. Go see Closer to God, and then listen to this after you've seen Closer to God, because Kelly Wand is now about to give you a plot synopsis for Closer to God. Kelly Wand, what do you call it? A Closer to Gopsis. All right, so Kelly Wand with the Closer to Gopsis, rock and roll. In honor of our Republican listeners. Get All right, right. Some microbes attack a black hole while horror music plays. I nudge my dick and go, wow, that's what sex looks like to you down there, huh? My dick rolls its eye at me and goes, oh, you got the music part right. I'm all, it's weird how the outside of a woman just makes us need to get to the inside. My dick's all, shh. A guy talks on a phone while his airplane watches. He's all, what do you mean the national currency of Denmark's called a crone? You mean all these homicidal kids I made are worthless? Fuck! He throws his phone at something. I should have emphasized the word crone, I guess. The robot from Holmes and Yo-Yo... Another project that thoughtfully dared to ask, what is human, huh, is having a sit-down in a conference room with his lawyer scientists. He's all, oh, so the press wants to know what our clone baby looks like. Guess we have a leak. Anyway, my lawyers, i.e. you guys, say we should probably take the bolt out of the baby's head before taking its picture. (laughs) Frankenstein's on its neck, but it still might get confusing. The main character's all, fuck. His name's Victor, but it's not one that's about to suit him, he thinks. I nudge my dick again and go, what's his middle name, Perrick? My dick's all, shh. Another lawyer's all, this is a terrible idea. We need another month to get the lighting for the pictures right. Holmes and Yo-Yo's all, well, this is my last line in the movie. Victor holds a press conference to announce he has nothing to announce yet. Then he's all, any questions? An off-screen reporter's all, yeah, there, Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, I take offense at that. I'm not a doctor. Yes, Sheila? Doctor, doesn't the Bible tell us that clones are dicks? All the other reporters are all, Michael Keaton, multiplicity. Victor's all, I wasn't listening. Next question. Sheila again. Governor, isn't it true that clowns eventually turn into stormtroopers that go berserk and kill Jedi upon arbitrarily hearing a commonly used number? Uh, My lawyer here has just instructed to remind you all that the real culprit in that instance was Jar Jar, who was promoted to senator for tripping over stuff and then handed the reins of power over to an evil sorcerer. Yes, Sheila again. What? I didn't have my hand up. I'm still writing down your first answer. Wasn't listen. Okay, well, just for fun, I'll ask myself the next question. Who was the male donor for the clone? Me. Next question. Victor, I don't have a question. Come on, doctor, don't be shy. Fine. Who was the female donor? How dare you ask me that? This press conference is over. Fuck you, vultures, and your incessant hand-raising. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a plane waiting for me to make a phone call near it. Thank you for sitting during this. 
On TV, a newscaster's all, and in clone news, religious groups carrying signs outside a lab had this to say. God gave us 38 commandments, and I'm pretty sure one of them was probably something like, Clones? What the fuck? Unless it's dinosaurs. A woman rednecks all. If we start cloning everything inside, how are we going to be able to tell our neighbors from a sister's-in-law? What's next? Clone marriage? Clone rioters? Well, we refuse to be a bunch of interchangeable copies. We're individuals. The crowd's all. We are individuals, not hive minds. Google gobble. In a barn, a kid's screaming upstairs and banging shit around. His mom's all, fuck. Her husband's sitting at a table reading a farming magazine. He's all, hey, there's an article in here about the best way to clone corn stalks. How come there's no riots about that? Hey, do you think ears of corn have a soul? Or maybe we all have cobs. Never mind that shit, Zeke. Ethan Bennett. <laughs> Dingus, please don't laugh. Sorry. Never mind that shit, Zeke. Ethan's been up there for hours, screaming and running and making annoying loud noises. Real six-year-olds don't act like this. I think maybe he's just an abomination. Well, when we got him, you said he's a testimonial to the power of science. Look, I say a lot of shit. Wait, we live in a farm on a cloning scientist's property? Whatever. Are you sure you fed him? We're supposed to feed him? Hey, if you sewed a bunch of clones together, would it still be a human centipede? Stop trying to work those stupid movies in every discussion we have. Did you give him his meds? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Might have mixed up with my meth, in which case he's probably not hungry. Some Valentine's Day this is shaping up to be. Well, I told Dr. Victor that Ethan's annoying, and he said his house was too far away tonight for him to walk over, but that he'd swing by tomorrow and give us a speech. Awesome. Can't wait. Meanwhile, Victor's house. Honey, the girl's here, and I want to know what the fuck is going on. Uh, well, you know how you're always admonishing me not to bring my work home with me? Yeah, so why are these 18 technicians in hazmat suits wheeling an iron lung with a clone baby in it into our bedroom? Okay, look, this is temporary, I promise. Eventually, we'll both die of natural causes. Daddy, are we clones? Are we clones? No, honey, number one, you're twins. There's no one else like you anywhere on Earth, except right beside you. Plus, you share some genetic material with me and your mom, obviously. Actually, as humans, we all share the same DNA, which is 99% similar to a baboon's, if that answers your question. What was it again? The daughters are all, you mean like the baboon and the fly? Look, baby, Daddy's busy right now, okay? Here, watch The Shining. There's a couple young ladies in this you'll probably find super relatable. <laughs> you like that? Meanwhile, in the nursery... Sheila, were you just taking a picture of the clone baby and texting somebody? No, I don't know. Ooh, my shift's over. Look at the time. I gotta go. What? You just got here, and you just sent me the picture and texted me by mistake. Baby here at doctor's house with metal ring and forehead. Stage riots at Westgate when you get this. My colleague Dennis sucks. Love, Sheila. Wait, you think I suck? Oh, what's that behind you? Huh? I don't see anything. Uh, shouldn't you run away after distracting me? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's that behind you again? Uh, there's still nothing there. Sheila, are you breaking up with me? What's going on? Come on. Look behind you again. Seriously, this time. Something's totally there. All right, I'm starting to feel a little silly, but okay, I'm still not seeing anything. Should I turn back around yet? Go right ahead. Sayonara, asshole. Sheila just walked into the closet. Should I just come back later? This is taking forever. Meanwhile, at a gate. Hell no. Cloning's bad. Hell no. They're not rad. I'm a reporter talking here with a prematurely balding protester. Prematurely tell me, what do you have against clones? 
We're not opposed to all mystics of science, only clones. Their red noses and white grease paint and floppy shoes and horns make me sick. Look, when I go to a circus, I go to see people swing and lions whipped. Not a bunch of godforsaken freaks climb out of a tiny car and pretend they're clumsy and mutually hostile. Plus, the one in Poltergeist was possessed and tried to strangle a kid. So we're here to say, damn possessions! Eventually, someone in the crowd cheers. Meanwhile... Hey, Victor, it's Holmes and Yo-Yo calling. Uh, that wasn't my last line after all. <laughs> Good news. We found out who the leak was. It's Sheila. She has her own talk show now since she took a picture of a baby, and it looks like you're getting arrested the next few days for cloning without a license. Bad news is I'm going to Bermuda next week for vacation. Victor's all, fuck, throws his phone. From the mouthpiece, Holmes and Yo-Yo's all, yeah, this is a company phone, so we're taking the cost for this out of your salary. Also, based on what my wife told me happens in the third act of Splice, you may want to check on the barn. Okay, that's my last line. Victor's all barn fuck he goes to the barn and finds the farmer husband cradling his wife's dead body with the baby's with the baby's Bugs Bunny spoon sticking out of her head the husband's all you did this Victor's all uh, well technically the clone baby I gave you guys did the stabbing um, you think that spoon's still good if we wash it actually first things first where's the clone baby right now and how big we talking uh, he's like four feet tall and bald. Hard to tell since the camera never gives us a decent look. Ah, good to know, thanks. But I meant how big's the spoon there. Just curious. Actually, wait here. I'm going to go back home and grab a hypo full of poison, plus something to kill the clone with. Be right back. Oh, and homicidal clone baby, if you can hear me right now, it's not poison. I'm just kidding. Stand to the bed, okay? Victor runs back to the house. His wife and kids are standing in the living room. The wife's all, now what? Uh... Nothing. I might be getting arrested. Uh, also, there's a lynch mob on our porch, and a psychotic clone baby is roaming the ground, so you might want to hide in the closet till I kill it. Uh, Mom is right about you. We're still on for Bush Gardens tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. Holy. Uh, it's one sec. Victor grabs his needle and chuffs back to the barn, where he finds the farm guy's body stabbed 800 times with a diaper. He's like, fuck! He runs back to his house and shuts the front door. Yeah, honey, uh, you might also want to put our newborn clone girl, the one I brought, somewhere safe till... Fuck! <laughs> Picks up its body. Fucking murdering little... I mean, uh, here, Ethan. Here, boy. Come here. I'll sing you your favorite song. There you are. Come here, boy. Give your donor a hug. Atta boy, who's a good little... You're fucking rotten hell. Wait, that's the wrong needle. Sorry. Uh, wait, come back, come back. <laughs> Eventually, he successfully poisons the bald midget as his wife and daughters come downstairs and stare. The wife's all, Victor, are you done down here? The girls and I want to watch True Detective. He picks up the girl infant corpse and goes, yeah, I'll be right back. I just got to go make a point. He carries the bundle out to the gate, confronts the religious mob. He's all, is this what you're all afraid of? Well, guess what, assholes? She's about to be closer to God for a second than any of you. He kicks it over the wall. It lands amidst the picketers. <laughs> they all stare at it, then at Victor. Finally, one of the SWAT guys is all, uh, anybody bring a gun? <laughs> one of the redneck sighs walks through the crowd and shoots Victor through the gate. Victor falls and stares sightlessly up at the sky. His wife comes out and goes, honey, the girls want to know if they can sleep downstairs with Ethan's body tonight. The end. Thank you, Kelly Warren. That was all right. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. 
We went through so much to get that to you, listeners. I hope it was worth uh, the hell that we all went through. All right, who's going first? I'm the one who suggested we do this movie. Uh, I mean, we didn't have many options. We could have done Ted 2, I think. Um, That's not having any options. Yeah, so, uh, us jump in here. What, what do you think of Closer to God? Ted 2 is similar, though, if you think about it. The, well, yeah, the, the Ted 2 is a lot about, you know, does a stuffed talking bear have a soul? Exactly. You know, questions Every like movie. that. The ethical considerations of that, yeah. That's probably Dingus was about to say before I cut him off. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Actually, I feel I feel kind of bad about uh, talking about this movie because I know sometimes when I have a, a reaction to um, a movie of this, uh, I, I shouldn't say the word ilk, but uh, of this level of movie, uh, because I don't have a lot of um, experience with horror movies, uh, usually I, I would I would want to hear what Tom has to say because Tom generally has seen so many more um, uh, I don't know if you call this a low budget horror movie but lo- so many bad low budget horror movies because he's in, he he is into that genre so much and, and he can watch so many of them that he'll say we have to give this a pass for this reason and that reason so that but for both of those things I'm, I'm interested in hearing more of what you two have to say about this but but because Aside from a couple of moments at the beginning that I really liked, uh, this movie really fell off for me, and I really couldn't stand it. Go on, explain. Um, I really liked the way the tone was set at the beginning. Uh, I loved the way that um, the birth, and especially the Apgar test, um, at the beginning when they're testing the infant in that normal like Apgar, like, let, let me feel your feet, let me check your ears, let me measure your head, all of those things that they do in the Apgar, set against the music, which made it seem so weird and creepy, uh, I really liked. But um, once people started talking, I, I really kind of lost interest. And um, once it became clear that the killer was just going to bang a stick for the entire movie, uh, I don't know. I, I just think that so many other movies did this so much better. And really, once we got to the later part of the movie, and it's just clear, like, it, it just stop leaving sticks around for this kid, and you'll be fine. Um you know, which I think Kelly pretty much, you know, uh, distilled in his his in his opsis. Uh, I mean, I, I just think that there's a, there's there's far too many things in this movie um, that are just stupid. Uh, why are these characters doing this stupid thing? There's just too many stupid things, and maybe part of that is uh, I've been thinking all week about the stupid things people do in movies that mean the movie wouldn't exist. Maybe that's part of it. But it just felt like everybody was acting in such stupid ways, and the scientists were acting in ways that scientists would never act. Um, and nobody was questioning them. I mean, even when he said, yeah, uh, yeah this uh, this thing was, yeah, I just mixed my own DNA in for this experiment. And none of the reporters were like, you did? <laughs> nobody even questions that fact. That He's like, yeah, I just uh, put my own DNA in there. So, yeah, that's what this experiment is. And nobody said, isn't that unethical? Nobody did anything like that. So I, I don't know. I don't believe a thing in this movie, and I just didn't buy a thing. I, I, it wasn't, I didn't find it scary. I didn't find it – I don't know. It just didn't work for me. When you say that so many other movies have done this sort of thing better, like what other movies does it remind you of? What does it recall for you? Um, well, I don't know. Even what Kelly Wan made a joke about, even uh, Splice. I think even Splice does it better, uh, th- that sense of uh, the – Those are bad scientists too, though. Like, yeah, they're 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 bad scientists for other reasons, obviously, and it's it's they're horrifyingly bad. 
um, you know, when you have sex with your own experiment, it's horrifyingly bad. Um, but, but you're not saying Splice is a movie that does this better, though, are you? Or, or are, no, not, not necessarily, no, but I certainly think that Splice is a, is a better, better made movie than this. Um, but I, I don't know that it does the, the things that I'm complaining about better. I'm not really prepared to answer that particular question. Uh, all right, so Kelly Warren, you're next. What did you think of Closer to God? Um, I thought the acting was really good. Um, I liked the themes. I thought it, it was kind of like Pet Cemetery a little bit. <laughs> mm. But I did feel um, some of what Dingus was talking about, like there were a lot of, like he seemed like a really bad scientist. So I was, and it, it, I felt a little left hanging, like I wasn't sure who the, like who the mom was. Did I miss getting that? Like I thought who the, the mother of Elizabeth was. Yeah, because... He doesn't give it away, and then there's no payoff for that. And I wondered if that just means it's irrelevant, or there wasn't a mother, or... Um, well, are, we, are we supposed to think it's Claire? Claire, uh, no, his no, wife? It's not, it's not clear. It's, it's definitely not something you're supposed to know. Yeah. Well, uh, also, I'm just wondering, with, with the moment where she comes and she, she gets handed the baby by the technician who does the phone stuff, the baby immediately calms in her arms. Is that just because she's a mother, or is she because the mother? I don't think you could, there's internal support in the movie for Claire being the mother. Okay, all right. Yeah. That that's just that would be my take. Yeah. All right. I wondered what the takeaway was for the movie. Like I wasn't sure I got it after I was done with it. Um, well, I think I get what the movie's going for, but I'm actually more interested to hear what Tom thinks because I think Tom might disagree with me. Uh, what uh, Kelly? One, did you see like the? How did you feel about the obvious Frankenstein parallels? Because I, I suspect you probably know the Mary Shelley Frankenstein better than than the rest of us. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's so on the nose. I was sort of like, you know, I was assuming there was going to be a twist on that or something. Um, and I kind of wondered if he, maybe he was just like that as a boy, like just banging shit around, the scientist. Uh, but the the crux of Frankenstein was that he all he wanted was a mate, basically, and then everything would have been fine. The, the Frankenstein monster? yeah. And obviously, okay, so, you know, his name's Victor, obviously, so the Frankenstein thing's pretty overt. Well, they even mention it a couple times in the movie, too. A couple times? They they mention it over and over again, and he even walks like him when he's walking down to the fence. I mean, it's terribly overt. Wait, you're saying the doctor walks like the Frankenstein monster? Yeah, he he lurches down toward the fence. I know it's supposed to be the the, but it's a it's a common thing to mess uh, to mess up between which one is Frankenstein and which one is Frankenstein's monster. But he, I, I think that the movie is constantly referencing Frankenstein. Well, there are two times where it's specifically referenced. Everything else you could certainly infer, but there are only two times where where Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is specifically mentioned. Um, well, there's a lot of this up with the protesters. I mean, is that what you're talking about? Yep. The one of the protesters mentions it, and uh, I forget what the other time is. But there are two times that they literally say Frankenstein. Uh, right. And right. you know they're not shy about it, and that's clearly what what the the movie uh, is playing on. And I'm sure. Yeah. You, uh, right. Right. But I, I don't know the Mary Shelley Frankenstein very well. So Kelly, one, you're saying yeah. that that a lot of the Mary Shelley Frankenstein is what I traditionally think of as Bride of Frankenstein stuff, but that's a lot of what's in the original Frankenstein is the monster wanting a mate. Yeah, and then there's, there's none of that there's, here. That's that's definitely no, no. This, yeah. There's a cool book called The Frankenstein Papers by Fred Saberhagen that tells like the Frankenstein story from the monster's point of view, and it's kind of interesting. Like you find in that version, like Victor doesn't create 
him. It's like this other thing. And so he's actually like a really bad scientist. <laughs> well, I think in this, what, what parallels are probably more about, you know, Dr. Frankenstein and the, the main character here, Victor Reed, and this idea of creating life. Um, I think it's less about the creation. Uh, and also there's this weird thing with Closer to God that one of the creations is – you know, is, he's using genetic manipulation to try to get it closer to perfection, and the other one has obviously gone terribly wrong. I don't know right. if there's any counterpart to that in the Mary Shelley one, but that's an important element here, is that there's a, a past failure. Well, that's certainly true. I mean, I think this movie, I think you're right. This, this movie seems to be less about creation and more about termination. And and, and I was wondering that, as we were going to talk about this, is if there is sort, sort of an abortion metaphor going on here, or... Uh, if, as opposed to the the Frankenstein story, this is less about creation and more about termination. Well, what I wonder is if, and I didn't know if Kelly would have something to say about this, because again, I don't know the Mary Shelley one. Um, to me, I traditionally think of Dr. Frankenstein as this guy who just is completely devoted to science to the point that he doesn't understand the implications of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's completely removed from sort of the ethics and the morality of it. Um, is that right, Kelly Wand? It's more in the movie, like he's more insane in the movie, and the actor looks insane, but maybe it's just the fact that he's the narrator of the novel, so his insanity is tempered by, like, I think we're supposed to sympathize with him in the, in the novel, actually. Well, I, like I think that the difference, I mean, like, I don't think of the, this character, and I'm with you, Kelly Wan, and I love the acting in this. I was fascinated by Jeremy Childs. That, that guy has an amazing face. Um, you know, Dingus was kind of being dismissive of the whole lurching thing, but his physicality... I thought was a huge part of what made him so fascinating to me. Uh, he, he literally towers over everyone. Uh, and there's this sense, I think, that there, there's a hubris to him um, that is is also, and this is where I wonder if he differs from the original Dr. Frankenstein, there's also a humanity to him that's ultimately his undoing because he refuses to euthanize Ethan. Um, right. Where, uh, oh, yeah, you know, and that is from the novel because the monster goes, I'm going to be with you on your wedding night. Like he th- he warns Victor that he's going to kill his wife on his wedding night. And what's Victor do first thing in the book is he gets married right away. <laughs> and then the monster kills his wife. But he has euthanized other experiments, right? I don't know. Not that we know of. Yeah, we, but that, know. that moment where the guy says, what are you going to do? With the body, and he says, incinerate her. That's Ethan, though. No, oh. no. He says, I wondered about that, dude. He says, incinerator. Put it in the incinerator. Incinerator. <laughs> he does not say incinerate oh. her. I thought he says incinerate her, and he takes the... No, no, it, it is. I had to rewind that, but he says incinerator. Because that's a flashback before Elizabeth is even born. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I understood that as a flashback oh, I see. to right. the black and white thing. However... He's this is that a... technician, and, and he, he takes the kid out, and, and the guy's like, what are you going to do with the body? Incinerate her, is what I thought he said, because he's got that little vial, and he's got the... Okay. Oh, so uh. you think that there might be... Well, no, he clearly... Because I did... He says incinerator, and, and the implication isn't that... If it had been incinerate her, then yes, it would be a flashback about a female precursor to Ethan. Um, well, when we get all the the baby doll catapult flaming babies i thought that was supposed to be calling that back to him when he had said incinerate her and i thought what that was sort of compounding for him when he sees those flaming babies flying over the fence was the the memory of having gotten rid of so many babies well you can certainly again that's that's, you can certainly make that interpretation because it's a dream sequence so we don't know what it means right right Uh, right right. and one of the things i loved is how much is unsaid in this um we don't know who the mother is. Uh, there's this implication 
that he's been off somewhere out of country doing perhaps terrible experiments, um, that he's got this kind of dark background. So maybe you could infer from that that, yes, there have been previous Ethans. Yes, he did euthanize them. But for whatever reason, he refuses to euthanize Ethan. Um, well, it's certainly and- a stronger choice. Your, your interpretation, I think, is a stronger choice. If, if this is the only other child that has existed, and, and I think it has to be somehow involved with Claire because he says to her, I try, I, believe me, I tried to kill him, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Um, I mean, he, he, he says this to Claire. So it must have something to do with the two of them, because she's horrified by the fact that Ethan still exists, and he says, I tried to kill him. I couldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you might be able to make, you, you could maybe infer from that that, that uh, she was a donor for Ethan, or who, who knows. Um, right. But again, it's I... unsaid, and I don't think the movie wants you to necessarily know. And I love the, the, the nonverbal storytelling, for one, and two, how, how little information we do get about specifics like that, how much we have to infer or interpret. Um, Tom, yes. I, I, I actually agree with you about the craft of the filmmaking. I think it's a really well-made movie. I think I have a personal aversion to religion versus science stories. I always find them frustrating. Like in Contact, to me, it was really annoying because they're always given like equal weight in a story that doesn't really apply to it. Like, there's nothing in the Bible about clones, per se. I don't know that this is uh, specifically religion versus science as... First of all, it's shot... It's shot in, uh, well, but that's not religion versus science. That's science no, approaching religion. Right, um, but there's a lot of, I mean... There, so here's the deal. This is shot in Nashville. You know, this, this guy, he's a filmmaker in Nashville who's basically, you know, working entirely out of the system, and he's working with local actors in Nashville, which is another reason that makes the performances in this movie amazing to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, the kind of protesters that are going to show up in Nashville, Tennessee, are, of course, going to be... You know, that's going to be a concern of theirs. Um, that's true. It seems like a bad place to put a cloning facility. Well, what's uh, weird is that... Well, you don't know it, where the actual cloning facility is. Like, he... he, uh, oh. he they, they mentioned Parkland, and I know there's a Parkland in Dallas, but he has to get on a plane to take it back home to where he is. And actually, I don't even know if we're supposed to be in Nashville. That's just where it was shot. We're not supposed to know, because they constantly say the state, this state, in this state, in ah, right. that state. They don't tell us. And even when there's a, there's dudes like arguing on television or whatever, right. it says the state rules are blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but exactly. it never says what state we're talking about. But, but uh, to Kelly's point, though, about religion versus science, is I don't know this is so much about religion versus science as misunderstood science. Um, and I, I put this in the same category as I would hysteria about uh, GMOs, you know, genetically modified uh, crops, for instance, right. uh, mm-hmm. or this idea, you know, and many of these get debunked eventually, this idea that cell phones cause tumors or that power lines uh, are harmful, or most recently, you know, anti-vaccine uh, hysteria, um, that science yeah. that is clearly beneficial, people are afraid of it, and they react to it uh, negatively without any reason and, and religion right. can be behind that kelly wand but i think it's more about the broader negative reaction to beneficial science than it is a religion versus science thing like contact right but this in contact the they were actually trying to do something cool and the religious people were the fools but in this movie um they have a, they're they're right like these clones are abominations that are going around killing people and it just, it's well not... were they or was ethan just a failure i mean that's another thing we don't know would elizabeth have have turned out to actually be a, a better example would elizabeth right. have turned out like ethan and i don't think 
I think the movie wants us not to make that conclusion because right. they know, you know, Ethan early on as a baby looked ghastly and he had the weird skin right. and everything. Uh, I think what if we look at this as kind of a, a, a tragedy about the downfall of this Victor Reed character, I think the movie wants us to think that he finally got it right with Elizabeth and she was quite literally destroyed by his past failure. Well, yeah, right. but I mean, they, they certainly make reference to that when they talk about eczema with her. Uh, to her having the uh, oh, having skin, that thing. That's right, right. Having yeah. a skin condition that they have to treat, but that right. that other doctor, the the female doctor, um, you know, treats it with a skin Jeez. cream, which he objects to her doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but that's so, the thing. It's like we don't know. Like the jury's still out on whether like his his experiment would have been a success or not. Because right. but it's not just about cloning. Because at the I mean, what he's trying to do oh. is he's trying to advance the human race. Well, it's, yeah, it's to create evolution. And that's kind of the reveal, is that all this stuff with the... And Kelly Wan, I'm so glad you mentioned the, the comparison of the bolt in the baby's forehead, because I, I didn't even make that connection, but that's clearly what it's referencing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's never explained otherwise. But, well, the idea is that that's part of this genetic manipulation treatment. Uh, and, it's a and, port. And, well, and we also see they're doing... It's a light receptor, because at one point we see they're doing some sort of light therapy, and yeah, the baby's screaming, right. and, and they're just doing their science. Um so, yeah, there's definitely, you're right, it's not just cloning, it's also genetic manipulation and some sort of photosensitivity, I don't know if it's brainwashing, or, but they're definitely doing some weird kind of experiments uh, that go right. beyond just the cloning. Yeah. Do you think that there's also something that the movie is doing, or that the writer is doing, writer-director is doing, um, because of the way that final sequence, is, sequence goes, the, with the doctor talking about all of these enhancements that, you know, she's going to be better, she's going to be stronger, she's going to be smarter, um, and this will do all of these things for us, that if this movie were successful for him, he could make her still be alive. Or make her be able to regenerate herself and come back to life? Go the full Frankenstein. Wait, what do you mean if this movie... You said if this movie were more successful for him. What do, you, do you mean if this experiment were more successful for him? No, no, I mean the actual movie itself, so that he's setting oh. himself up to be able to make a series of movies about Elizabeth as she grows up, and that she, you know, she doesn't actually die, that, that because of the genetic manipulation that he's done and his intention in doing those genetic manipulations, she actually survives and regenerates and grows up. I guess I'm not clear. Like, you're asking, like, could there be... Because I, I don't see that that's at all what the movie wants to do. Like, I think it wants to be a, a tragedy about this scientist who's uh, oppressed by negative reaction and the specter of his own failure. But are, are you asking, like, do, do you think that maybe the director wanted to do more movies about Elizabeth? Yeah. Oh. What I was thinking that he could make a series of closer to God movies where Elizabeth grows up <laughs> and becomes Hannah, basically. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. I, I think this it's is a prequel clearly, to the Ernest Hartwood. No, I think this is clearly a, uh, a a riff on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and he's actually said as much. I mean, it's clearly oh, about okay, Frankenstein, well, I, I have that. and and it's clearly about how the the torch and pitchfork wielding mob uh, drags down the scientist's ambition. I mean, I think that's right. clearly what's going on here. You know, it has to end with this terrible ending and him being killed, I think. Uh, well, it's not just him being killed, it's that horrible moment where the baby is killed. Well, yeah, him being killed mm -hmm. and his... Yeah, his... his, And that's why I think it's more important to think that, yeah, Elizabeth was a successful experiment, and his successful experiment being destroyed by his past failure. Uh, but I could certainly but, see the idea of that if this somehow were successful, that that 
final voiceover thing about, or not voiceover, but him talking, the Dr. Reed talking to the camera, right. would seem to indicate that he's, you know, he's mastered this genetic manipulation to the point where the cells can regenerate or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. No, if this had been, if this had gone in a different direction, you're absolutely right, Dennis. I mean, I think that's what's going on here is that he has legitimately discovered some very important science, uh, and I presume it dies with him. Uh, so, in in that, can I just ask you a quick question? Uh, is Mary dead or not? Oh, of course, yeah. Mary yeah. and and the husband, and yeah, Ethan yeah. his yeah. And I think there's even a moment like when I was watching. So I I love this, by the way. I, if, if I haven't made it clear, yeah, yeah uh, I can tell. And part of why I loved it is. There was a moment where I was like, holy fuck, he's going to kill his two little blonde girls even. Right. Like, I, I, thought, I thought when she went to the closet that they were just going to yeah. be like two babies in there. I mean, two kids in there just massacred. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, so, yeah, Mary's clearly dead. Um, and yeah, yeah, absolutely she's dead. Well, because I had to keep running back that moment where they're doing the body bags, which I thought was really weirdly filmed. And and one of the bodies like is, is clipped in and the camera rolls up. And I thought it was Mary, and the throat clearly moves, her head turns over, her eyes are open, and I didn't understand if it was just incompetence as far as, like, dealing with dead bodies or what. So Mary, the woman who, uh, Shaleen Newman, who adopts Ethan, you're saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, by the way, I loved her and her husband. I, th- I thought that... I thought that both those actors were extremely likable. I, I hated almost all of their scenes. It felt like amateur acting night. In a in an in an acting class, but I don't blame either of them. I think that was just the way they were directed in those scenes. But I really loved her and her husband. I mean, I, loved, I did love the actors in that. I don't like the way they were directed. Who was anyway, amateur? It, oh, okay. Go ahead. In those kitchen scenes where they're talking about have you fed him or have you not, and I, I just or even when she's like talking to Ethan, and I mean. I think she has a difficult task to do, but I think it's really poorly directed. I think oh, I disagree. Actually, no, I, yeah, yeah. I think the I think, director clearly appreciates. So, so he actually went so far as to uh, not only hire Jeremy Childs, but to have Jeremy Childs be his casting director. I don't know if you caught that in the credits, but the lead actor mm. was the casting director, and he used other talent from Nashville that he'd worked with before. Um, and I, I thought I clearly thought that the, the director uh, was was really in tune with what the actors were doing. That was another thing I really liked about it, is this is a movie that I thought was shot to really appreciate what the actors were doing. You know, I've complained before about things like uh, you'll have a two-person scene, and a director who doesn't appreciate actors will cut away in the middle of a reaction when he should linger on it and let the audience appreciate it. Um, But I thought, on the contrary, Sinise really did uh, appreciate what he had with the actors. Um, And I loved, so Dingus, you weren't, you you didn't fall in love with this guy's, his face and his stature and... Um, Who are you talking about, Jeremy? Yeah, Jeremy Childs, just as as a dispassionate scientist, but also a a, a sort of a distracted father, um, somebody who cared, but was also really preoccupied with the science. Um, I, I love watching that guy. From uh, what's the Adam Sandler golf movie? Happy Gilmore. He well, he's like clearly that. he's that's mainly like he's a. If you look up his credits, he's done other things, and he mainly has little parts as like villains or bad guys. Um, yeah. He has a really cool voice. His voice? Yeah, like the way he was doing like the press conference, just when he's talking science. Um, mm-hmm. I totally fell in love with this actor. I was crazy about him. He's very intense. He's an intense man. 
Yeah, yeah, and just yeah. Even that so that first shot of him walking down the hallway, even I love that. You know, when you see him in Scrubs, when the the credits are ramping up and you have no idea what's going on, to just see this guy who you can tell by looking at him, that's some big old six foot five dude. Uh, just a, the shot from behind of him walking down the hallway. Wait, you watch Scrubs? No, I mean I liked him very much. I mean I liked him. I mean he he certainly evokes for me Tom Noonan in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. and I, oh, yeah. yeah. And I kind of liked that about him, but I, I just think that it's sort of the poor man's version of those things, and I and I don't think I just I just disagree that Denise was able to handle them. It's not a matter of appreciating what the actors are doing. I'm sure he has a great amount of appreciation for them, and I don't know that it's a it's a big deal that Jeremy Childs also gets to be the casting director. I mean that's fine, but I I mean I in the, in a couple of those scenes when especially when those two actors are in the kitchen together or when she's having to try to and um try to um I don't know. Interact with Ethan. Ethan. She's trying to get him to. I I just didn't buy. I I don't know. I just didn't buy it, and I don't think it's because they're bad. I, I, I mean, I'm making that very clear. I think that. You just think it was the director, like he. I I just don't think that. I just don't think the acting is very well directed, and it's not because he doesn't like actors, and it's not because they're bad actors. I just don't think the scenes were massaged enough. I don't know, and also, I, I, I quite frankly, I mean. Let me just ask you this. How do you feel about the reveal of Ethan? Because one of the things that I felt early on was, how long are we going to wait for this? Because he's yeah. clearly hiding Ethan for yeah, us. From us from I think Jackie will Haley a little. Yeah, and I like, I like the fact that he's hiding him, too. But how do you feel about the reveal? Well, the implication is going to be that he's some horribly disfigured, monstrous-looking thing, like from It's Alive or from The Brood or something like that. Right. Uh, and the fact that it's not, that he's just kind of this sallow-looking, poorly you know, deformed child... Um, uh, I, I loved that. I mean, it's setting up that he's going to have like claws and fangs, and he doesn't. Um, and again, I, I, I think that's just a, a that's a great bit of direction and misdirection in a way. Um, you know, you hear him, you just hear the repetitive banging, and you see this sort of uh, just just unfettered anger. And then when you see him, it's just this poor little kid in pain. Uh, right. See, so yeah, I quite like that. Uh, did that. Did that not work for you so well, Tingus? Like, did you feel that that was a a cheater or something or actually yeah i guess that's kind of a good way to put it i don't know if i would put it that strongly because i don't think it is a cheat i think the director is is going for uh or has realized exactly what he wants but i i felt a little let down because i don't necessarily need a fanged creature um but i could barely see him behind that bed and then he kind of emerges um we well, you do I mean, see, like, at one point you see a deformed hand, and that's why I say you're literally being set up to think that he's got claws and fangs, because you see well, that's, that hand, and you go, oh my god, he's some clawed creature, yeah. Well, the deformed hand is after the after Mary's been killed, right? Right, but you still haven't seen his head yet. Like, you've seen his bald head, you've seen but you see him, of him. You see him in the, in the, sort of the, like, you see him sort of obscured behind the bed when she comes in and does the I'm Mary, Mary, Mary scene, right? Right. Yep. And then he finally emerges and throws the the plate of the the thing of food, but I never really felt like. Um, Very Shelley now. I, 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 it just felt. Oh, yeah, well done, Kelly. Okay. I, you know, I felt like we were being set up for this. I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to show you. And then when I show you, it's just not that big of a deal. Um, which I would pretty much prefer you not pretend that we're going to get this big reveal if you're not going to show us anything. I don't know. It's just. Well, I, yeah. I, I was I was kind of just waiting for something to happen, and it didn't feel – other than him banging sticks, and all he did for the entire movie was bang sticks, and then he got a metal stick, and then he got to bang that. I mean, that's 
I think it would have been much more disappointing if it had turned, at least for me, if it had turned out that Ethan was uh, literally a monster. I mean, well, his, uh, his monstrosity I, is his is his is his rage, um, I, I and the fact that he is that he is deformed. Um, and I, I just feel that if they had gone further with it, it would have been a very different kind of movie. Okay, um, I, I totally agree with you, but then why are you being coy about revealing him? Because one of the things you do in a horror movie, no, because one of the things you do in a horror movie is you create a sense of dread, is you let the audience imagine and then consider why they're imagining certain things, um, you know, what the monster is going to look like. You know, why do you assume, why do we assume as an audience that this little kid is going to look horrifying? Because the movie is setting up in us dread and it's letting us sort of experience this uh, fear of the unknown. Um, you know, what is this science going to do? What, you know, what, what, we don't know anything about genetic manipulation. It's unknown to us. Here's us fearing it and fearing the outcome right. of it. All right. Fair um, enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, if it had been like a typical, uh, have you seen It's Alive, Dingus? Like, do you know the, those movies? I would hope no, not. No, they're I, crappy. I but that's clearly what Larry Cohen does in those movies is you see little glimpses of this monster baby and then eventually you see the monster baby running around and tearing up people. Um, and that's because it's a creature feature. Um, so part of what I like about this is you don't know. Like you're thinking, oh, is this going to be some creature feature? And it's not. It's about how uh, Victor Reed, uh, how his his successful science, presumably, is undone by his failure, which is a product of his own humanity. Right. So uh, of overs and unders, I'll be curious what you guys have for this. Um Kelly Wan, what do you have as an over and under? Mm, there's a book by Kate Wilhelm called uh, Where Late the Sweetbird Sang that I think is my favorite treatment of clones in any form. But my movie one is Boys from Brazil. <laughs> That's my favorite clone movie. Okay, sure. Yep. And my under is Attack of the Clones. That's my least favorite clone movie. Okay, so as far as clone movies go, sure, fair enough. The Boys I, from Brazil, I recommend for Dingus even. Boys from like is the fact that we all know the famous final scene from Boys Brazil. To, Boys from Brazil. Does, does that ruin it? Should should we still? Watch? I don't think anyone knows it. I think only we know it, and it's it's now such an old movie that only we know. Like kids today probably haven't seen Boys. That's the guy from The Omen, right? Isn't that like Gregory Peck or something? Yeah, uh, I think it's Lawrence. It's also Lawrence Olivier. Which is interesting because it's like he's a Nazi hunter in this, and it was like right after Marathon Man where he's the Nazi, but he's like a famous Nazi hunter. Who directed Boys from Brazil? Since that's something John Frankenheimer did. Am I close? Jeez, uh, I don't even know. Uh, All right. Ira Levin wrote the book, maybe. Yep. All right. Also wrote Sliver. Uh, Diggis, what is your over and under for uh, Franklin Schaffner directed it. Oh, of course, Franklin, right. How Franklin J. Schaffner. Who the heck is that? He directed Planet of the Apes, the 68 one, and Papillon with Steve McQueen. Oh, I like Papillon. He directed Patton, by the way. Uh, wow, wow, why don't we know his name? I, I feel, yeah. I feel like an idiot for saying, who the hell is that? It's like Coppola wrote Patton, we remember that. Okay, so back to Dingus's things. <laughs> Sorry. Back to Dingus's things. All right, my things, um, my over-under is a little weird. Uh, it has nothing whatsoever to do with... Um, the science of the movie, or I mean, I I went with that first, and then I one of the things that really uh, drives me crazy in in this kind of movie and in this movie in particular is how terrible the protester scenes are, because uh, I just I just hate that kind of crowd work, and it 
really takes me out of movies a lot of the time. Uh, you guys have already brought up one of them, my over, because I went ahead and chose movies that have prominent uh, protester scenes in them. Um, and so, uh, b- because that loomed large in this, and I still don't know who the fuck that guy was who marched up there and shot him. You know, the guy who shows up at the hotel, at the, at the hospital, why didn't you just shoot him then? Uh, and then he finally shoots him to the gate. Who the, who the fuck is that guy? Uh, it, I, I, I hate that sort of like, we're going to hold big signs and we're going to scream things. And who is this scene? I, I, I didn't know when, when that one guy is like just screaming shit through the fence, who's he screaming at? The security guards? They don't care. So anyway, that that crowd work stuff drives me crazy. So, but I would put slightly over because I this is one of the things I hate about the movie. It would be the movie Contact, and that that uh, is it. It's Jake um, uh, Jake Busey uh, just looking utterly ridiculous as one of those protesters, and then winding up to be the terrorist who gets in there. Um, but I would just barely put that over because I like. I like con- I have a soft spot for contact, but that fact about contact makes me dislike it because I think Zemeckis fucks up those kinds of scenes utterly. Um, and right underneath this movie would be the movie Red State, um, which has a t- it, which is just so so overtly against the Westboro Baptist Church and just just totally messing with them. Uh, in fact, one of the signs in Red State says, anal penetration equals eternal damnation. So some churchgoer is, is holding this gigantic sign at a funeral for some kid that says, anal penetration equals eternal damnation. So the, the crowd work in that, I would put uh, just below the crowd work in Closer to God. So as far as movies about uh, misunderstood scientists, I guess, uh, the only reason I would rate this one over... It's, it has a very different tone, um, and it's a uh, it's it's I don't th- yeah he wasn't a first time director it's just, it was it was another theater director who I think really appreciated actors uh, and he did a very different kind of movie that is ultimately a classic um, about a misunderstood scientist uh, and it's a total goofball movie uh, but I would put over even though they're very different kinds of movies a uh, Reanimator um, oh that's with, a great movie. with uh, no yeah it is with um, classic. With Jeffrey Combs as, uh, I guess he's Herbert, Herbert West. West, yeah. Wait, you're putting that over this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, Reanimator's over a lot of him. Uh, Reanimator is classic, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it holds, I mean, it's such a goofball movie. It holds up. Um, Dingus should watch it. Uh, it may not be for Dingus. No. Uh, I would put Reanimator <laughs> above this, but then underneath this, and pretty far actually under this, because I watched it after this movie, because I'd never seen it, it turns out, and I was curious uh, how it holds up, if it's any good doesn't hold up it's, it's it's crap like a lot of this guy's earlier stuff uh closer to god made me think of the brood because the brood has famous scenes where these murderous children attack people uh and the brood is terrible um, is it? it really is yeah. you don't like cronenberg anymore though i don't know if i trust you i like I some cronenberg in a while come on mm-hmm. the, the fly is brilliant there's there's some awesome things in scanners that you didn't like they came from apart. within i hated they came from within that's the rape, a great one how dare the you rape rape slug movie yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but you know, Dead Ringers is brilliant. Um, uh, the, of course, The Fly, which I mentioned. Uh, I love some Cronenberg. I need to see that one again. Um, but history seen, of Violence. You love History of Violence. Yeah. But have you seen history The Brood recently, Kelly Wand? No, I haven't, and that's what I mean. So there are ridiculous scenes with the two little murderous kids. And this, this. They were parkas. So if uh, if if Stuart Gordon had directed this scene, it would have been awesome because Stuart Gordon would have known how ridiculous it was. I don't think 
uh, David Cronenberg knows how ridiculous some of his early stuff is. So when the two parka-wearing murderous – and they're not clones. They're like these misbegotten uh, creatures of this woman's psychosis, like manifesting itself in flesh. The, the science in The Brood is ridiculous. But when these Scanners two, are drugs. Oh, my God. Scanners are insane. In Scanners, he hacks the computer through a phone. And blows up the computer. Do you remember that? It's like Matthew Broderick. Uh, kind of, but he's a scanner, though. He can do that. Yeah, he can do whatever. That's interesting. He's hacking a computer. So there's a scene in The Brood, do you remember this guy one, where the two little monster kids attack a kindergarten teacher in front of the class? Like with little mallets? Do you remember that scene? No, but I remember when the phone melts in scanners, and I can't believe you don't like that. In the, in the Brood, that scene is freaking hilarious. Because he's doing shots of the little tiny stunt midgets attacking the teacher and there's shots of the little kindergartners trying to look horrified and there's the bloody teacher on the floor and the little kids uh, it it's it's ridiculous um mm, i want to see it see the brood against again me. yeah and i'll yeah. check out videodrome um so uh, i would put the brood under closer to god are all clones bald down there one two three not only you and me got I don't really have a snappy title for this 3x3, which might be a problem. Um, It's basically... Well, it's a mouthful, but this is movies that wouldn't happen if someone didn't do something really stupid. That's a lot of movies. It's almost every movie. No, because so here's what I kind of want to do if we have time. Like, I, if, if 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 the movie offers a reasonable excuse for why someone didn't do something, like like Dingus said, people do stupid things in Closer to God, which I can accept. But I think the movie does try to explain why Doctor Reed doesn't euthanize Ethan. Uh, you know, you yeah. could say, hey, if you went ahead and euthanized you euthanized Ethan, euthanized Ethan, if he went ahead and put his <laughs> kid down, Ethan. the movie wouldn't have happened. But I think the movie does go out of its way to explain and to create this character who's reluctant to do that. So I could make an argument more so than other movies where people do something stupid that Closer to God isn't a good fit. But you can come up with plenty of better examples than Closer to God. Why does he even make the press release? I mean, there's no reason to do that. And then he has to... Yeah. Chase around the 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 movie. That's the whole whole first scene with with the lawyers. Is that yeah, they're going to have to talk to the press, and he wants more time, but the lawyers are like, no, we have to now. Oh. But the scientist is the PR guy, too. Uh, no, there's a there's a lawyer, there's two scientists, and then there's John Shuck in the room during them. Okay, wait, hang on, let me write this down. Yeah. <laughs> so at any rate, what I'm saying is I would be curious if you guys' pick for stupid things... Stupid uh, things, stupid can, things. Can, can they be... Does the movie adequately explain them away? Because, Kelly Wan, if you say something like Star Wars... Uh, I, you know, they should have. Like you did last week. <laughs> what are you, Darth, are you telling me that Darth Vader's yeah. mask is not an awesome mask? I don't. Uh, I don't think you right. are. Yeah. See, it's weird for for you to go to Star Wars. If so. you don't like that mask, then I, you, no one would call me out for that. By the way, but if you try to say Star, I don't know what. I, I'll just be curious what you guys choose as the pivotal something really stupid that someone did. Nobody, we should just do stupid things from Star Wars, and I can only think of Porkins, and everyone else is smart. No one else does anything dumb. But Porkins can't, wait, what is Porkins' fiddle flaw? He can't He great, so his ship falls, crashes, because he's too fat. Oh, really? Because the gravitational pull of the Death Star is bad. Fat, stupid, same thing. I don't know. At any rate, so Dingus, you're introducing next week's uh, 3x3. So start us off with your number three pick, 
and I'm curious about what the really something stupid, what the something that's really stupid is, and whether or not the movie could have avoided it. I'll just be curious how how watertight these are. Uh, my numbers, uh, my top two choices are movies I really really love. Uh, and that's hey, me too. when you when you bring this kind of topic up or when we do this kind of topic, I really want to try to challenge myself to find movies I really love, mm-hmm. but uh, but challenge myself to say, well, yeah, that was kind of stupid that happened in this movie. Um, this one I, I didn't do that with, but mainly this is this is because I had to sit through I sat through this movie because of Kelly's mask thing. <laughs> um, I, I watched this whole movie. What about the podcast? Uh, because Kelly said the thing about masks, and and I was kind of thinking about this movie, and then I ended up watching the whole thing, and it was, it's still not a good movie, but anyway, it's it's The Dark Knight Rises, and the the stupid thing is Aiden Gillen, uh, you know, is the CIA op on this plane, and this is a complaint I had early on. It's just so stupid that he's got these prisoners on there. He opens the plane door. He has these. Masks no. on their heads, and he holds them out of the plane with the masks on their head. They can't see that they're being held over this What's huge that? drop. He's he's threatening to drop them, and then he shoots a gun near their head. They've got a they've got a they've got a a, a thing over their head. If he had simply decided, take the things off their head, we're going to threaten them to drop them out of the plane. He would have seen immediately. Oh, that's. That's the, that's the masked man. That's Bane. Shoot him in the head, throw him he out of the plane, done, movie over. We don't have Bane anymore. And I mean, he, he could have simply eliminated Bane at the middle, at the beginning of the movie. I mean, this is, this is well known and this is kind of a cheat. Um, you know, that obviously we need a villain for the movie to exist. Um, but on that plane, if he had simply taken their hoods off, they're not, mask their hoods if he had taken the hoods off he would have seen the masked man bane and would have shot him in the head and thrown him out of the plane but he doesn't do any of that he goes through the whole rigmarole of pretending to threaten to drop them out of the plane without them seeing that they're going to be dropped out of the plane which is doubly stupid so wait doesn't so i don't recall this scene very well but i'm guessing first of all the masks are there to invoke guantanamo and and uh oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay but doesn't if you even if you have a burlap sack on your head aren't you going to know if you're being held outside of a plane you're you're going to know that a, a fan might be blowing near your head, yeah. or or that like engines are sounding or whatever. I'm pretty sure that would work for me. Like if I had a mask, if I have a burlap sack over my head, I would know the difference between being. Does he actually hold them outside of the plane? I don't remember the. Scene. He opens the plane door and then he he kind of lies them down near near that door and and drapes them over the outside of the door so they feel the air rushing over them, but. None of them are scared. He shoots a gun. He, he holds a gun up to their head and then shoots it near their head. Again, they have a hood over their head. Why, why do you say none of them are scared? It's, it's not working for, on any of them? They're fanatics. They're not doing anything. No, uh, they're fanatics. They're the, the, the Ra's al Ghul extras you know, that, that, uh, that Bane has taken with him. Is Aiden Gillen supposed to be a CIA agent? Is that what he plays? Yeah, he's the CIA op. He's like a black ops CIA guy. Right. And he so, has perfect vision, and he can't see a plane... Being flown about yeah, another life. plane flies over them, and then they do the whole thing with the plane. But I just yeah, don't, I don't, I just don't buy any of that silly. Like we're going to scare you by dangling you over the abyss, but not let you see that there's a drop. Uh, so that was one of my first things. But the the real thing is, if he had simply taken the burlap sacks off their heads, he would have immediately seen Bane and just shot him in the head. And the right. movie would be he could have done that before he got on the plane. He could have just shot Bane. Yeah, well, the, yeah, well the, the dudes are all in the back of a pickup truck, but, you know. Wait, so you really like Dark Knight Rises? 
No, I can't stand it. Oh, oh, oh I thought you said terrible. So this is thing? not yeah. one of the ones that you really like. Okay. No, 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 no. I, I love I, I love my other two choices, but I watched this this movie because I was thinking of movies to choose for Kelly Wan's mask topic. Right. Because uh, I was thinking, well, does, uh, we made fun of that whole like idea because I, you know I don't know the comics. I don't know why Bane has a mask, uh, and I didn't know. I didn't even know if we would call it a mask or or some sort of medical apparatus. But early on. In that first, in one of those first scenes, they said, "Is this, you know, we need to find the masked man?" And the whole point of getting these guys with the hoods on into the plane is to ask them, "Where is the masked man?" And he's, you know, one of the dudes with hoods on. And if those idiots had just taken the hoods off, they would have seen, "Oh, he's the guy," and this is all a setup. All right. You know who sir. else is dumb in that movie? Everything. Batman. Yeah. Batman for dying at the end. Well, Kelly Wan, that's, that might be someone else's pick, so don't spoil it. Yeah. Kelly Wan, what's something really stupid that happens in a movie that could have avoided the entire movie happening if someone hadn't done it? Uh, my number three choice is Flatliners, because the whole thing's about them going, hey, let's kill ourselves, but try not to really kill ourselves. And then it's supposed to be suspenseful, like, oh, come on. But Oliver Platt doesn't do it. So that's my number three. I guess I don't remember Flatliners that well. So the idea is uh, that they resurrect themselves. They they let themselves die, and then they use the shock paddles to defibrillate themselves right. after like two minutes. So they see heaven and hell, and then it just brings. But it, it's it really just brings back like shit that has to do with their own personal demons. So the really they, stupid thing is is what trying this in the first place, or uh, yeah, okay, and me for seeing the movie. Um. All right, we'll accept it. But I like Dingus's more, because like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's dumb on the bridge. Like just picking dumb things in Dark Knight Rises. Well, that's, be, it's I, kind of low-hanging fruit. I mean, let's be honest. It's a terrible movie, and that's why. Yeah, I but it's fun. Kind of thing. It's fun because it's Christopher Nolan. Like, okay, I'm gonna wrap it all up. Here comes the trilogy. It's gonna be tight as a drum, and it's like the dumbest shit. Well, two of mine are movies that I that are, are really stupid, uh, but are really bad anyway. But I love how stupid the precipitating event is. And one of them is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. But that's my first. We'll get to that. So the first two are really bad anyway. I'm going to present to you guys the situation so you will understand the stupidity, and then I'll tell you the movie. <laughs> so after World War II, of course, uh, speaking of boys from Brazil, a lot of Nazis fled to South America. So imagine, if you will that some Nazi who flees to South America constructs in his apartment a secret room so that he can hide if any Nazi hunters, uh, like Wolverine, for instance, come there and try to find him. So in this secret room, there are one-way mirrors where he can see out into the apartment, but for some reason, the secret room is soundproofed, so nobody can hear noise inside the secret room, but... He's got little speakers rigged up where he can hear the noise outside the secret room in the apartment. And with these little one-way mirrors, he can see out in the apartment to see what's going on. So the Nazi constructs this. Um, then he eventually dies, whatever. And people come in to rent the apartment. So let's say that you find out your boyfriend lives in this apartment. You're this chick and you're dating a dude. You find out your boyfriend lives in this apartment and you discover this secret room before he knows anything about it. So what you're going to do is you're going to play a joke on him and you're going to record a funny little video that says, 
I'm sorry, this can't work out. I'm leaving you. And you're going to leave this little video for him to find on, like, your iPhone. And then you're going to close yourself in the secret room and watch him watch this video to see how he reacts. This will be hilarious. But when you go into the secret room, you forget the key that unlocks the door that will let you out. (laughs) And now you are trapped in this secret room until you starve to death to watch your boyfriend go on with his life, meet a new girl, uh, fall in love with her. And you're stuck here, locked in this secret Nazi chamber to witness this unfolding. All because you forgot the stupid key when you went into the secret room and left your prank video out there. Uh, this is the premise of a, of a Spanish movie called The Hidden Face, um, which is ridiculous. It's supposed to be, you know, it's presumably about this woman learning things about her and her boyfriend and her desire for him to live happily ever after from this little hidden place. But the setup is so ridiculous that there's a secret Nazi chamber in the apartment, and whoops, she forgets the key when she's going to play this joke on her boyfriend. Um, all right, oh. so that is my number three pick, The Hidden Face. And the whole movie is because of that? Yep, that's the whole movie. I actually kind of like that as a premise. Well, they, they yeah. set it up to be intriguing, and in you don't know she's locked in there. You don't know there's a secret room. It picks up in the middle as the boyfriend, his girlfriend has gone missing. He's met a new girl. They're starting to uh, create a relationship, but the new girl is, is begins to think, hey, there might this apartment might be haunted because she hears vague things in the pipes. And then it's later revealed that his previous girlfriend is locked in a secret room, and she's like trying to do Morse code and stuff to communicate. Um, uh, okay. it, it is an interesting premise, but it's just ridiculous, you know, the lengths they go through to get this poor woman locked in the secret Nazi bunker. <laughs> yeah. It does remind me of something I, I, I thought was endearing about uh, Closer to God, um, and that is the, the little brackets that they uh, use for that, that uh, metal rod. They're so flimsy looking. <laughs> those little, those sad little brackets that he like, that he, um, that he screws into the molding. I mean, it's obvious that you could kick those out very easily. I, I loved the way that looked. I think a deadbolt would have been fine, yeah. yeah it will, it, it, what you find out is that they've got two deadbolts on the door anyway, and that little rod there is only there for the final act of the movie. Uh, it, it really wouldn't have, hold, wouldn't have held the door at all, but it wasn't necessary because they had deadbolts. All right, so, Dennis, what is your second favorite movie that wouldn't happen if someone didn't do something really stupid? All right, this is a movie I absolutely freaking love. Um, and there's a couple of things that are that are stupid that happens. Uh, one is uh, one is thematic and one is plotty. Um, so this would be the movie Twenty Eight Days Later. So at the very beginning, uh, the plotty, terrible, stupid thing that the environmentalists do is they run in and they decide to get to let the the chimps out. Um, even when they've been warned, they're, they're infected. As soon as they get out, horrible things are going to happen, and they're like, no, no, we will let them out. We are liberating them. So this this moment of we are trying to do the right thing, but we have no idea what in the world we're doing and what we are unleashing on society makes 28 Days Later happen. Um, the overarching sort of thematic stupidity is the idea of even – infecting these monkeys, these chimps, whatever they are, with the rage virus. Actually doing that is an ultimate act of stupidity, 
you know, in and ultimately an act of human sort of hubris that we are going to make this virus that we can use as a weapon or whatever they're going to do with it uh, is also stupid. But the idea of just these these do-gooders running in, filming, and then we're just going to let these monkeys out. That's what causes the whole movie to happen, and if they hadn't been stupid enough to do that, the movie wouldn't have happened. Yeah, animal rights eco-terrorists aren't really known for their intelligence. Certainly not. Carrie Wand, what is your second favorite uh, movie that wouldn't happen if someone didn't do something really stupid? My number two is The Fly, because you should notice a fly in your fucking telepod, because they're really noisy and they buzz really loudly. So it seems like if you don't have a sterile lab then you don't have a sterile life. Okay. It is a cautionary tale about researching telepods uh, in a non-sterile lab, isn't it? Yeah. Wait, can I change it to Prometheus? No. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, so here's the really stupid thing. Let's say we're all in a boat, and we go out into the ocean, and we all want to go swimming, which is awesome. Uh, so we jump into the water, and we're swimming around and splashing. Uh, and sure enough, everybody who's on the boat wants to go swimming. So nobody's going to stay on the boat, and we're all going to jump in the water and go swimming. But by the time the last person has jumped in the water to go swimming, we realize, uh, hey, guys, did anybody lower the ladder that gets us up yeah. to the side of the boat? And the boat is like a, you know, it's got smooth, high enough sides that we can't get back up into the boat because nobody put the ladder down. Mm. Furthermore, one of us has a baby that got left on the stupid boat, which mm. is asleep in the hole, and the baby's not going to lower the ladder. Uh so we're all going to drown, and the baby's going to starve to death. There you go. Nice work. Uh, this is the premise of a movie that was shot, I think it was a German production, uh, as a drift. But somewhere down the line, the production company got the rights to Open Water, uh, and it was retitled Open Water 2, colon, Adrift. Uh, and sure enough, everybody but one person drowns. Um, they all die, but one guy or one girl does get back up into the mom. Makes Actually, no, she sacrifices herself. Come to think of it, no. so yeah, only the baby lives. No, she doesn't. She jump into the water to save the last guy and dies. Uh, the guy whose fault it all was, I think, yeah. lives too. No, 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 no. I think he he saves her by doing the thing with the glass from the diving mask, um, driving into the boat to be like a foot a foot ladder, and he puts his hand on it, and she stands on his hand and climbs up. Uh, but I think she then jumps back into the water to save him and dies, doesn't she? I thought she made it out. Okay, maybe. Um, maybe. But first, open water is a idiot plot too, because they just no, like, it, no, no. You can't pick that kind of one because that actually really happened. So. Well, yeah, that's. Yeah, so two, two people did get left behind on a diving trip. Uh, yeah. So if it's real, so it's technically it's it's this shy of being a documentary. Open. It's an RL idiot plot. Yeah. A lip. Uh, Dingus, what is your f- favorite movie that wouldn't happen if someone didn't do something really stupid? All right, this one I absolutely love uh, for no, well, for many reasons, but also because in rewatching it this week, um, the character at the, at, in one of the early scenes actually says this line: "I'm fixing to do something dumber than hell, but I'm going anyway." <laughs> Does sound like Bad Star Wars. Too. No, this is. Um, this is a uh, this is a character who's going to give somebody water who's asked for water. Mm, see, I don't think that's really stupid because there's no reason for him to think. And I don't like why does why should he not do that? 
Well, there's no reason he shouldn't do that, but I think the earlier things are the things that I'm talking about. So this is No Country for Old Men, and uh, I think the really stupid thing that he does is take that money. When he, when he, when, uh, when Llewellyn is going hunting, and he tracks down all the way down to that massacre, and he knows it's a drug massacre. He knows what's happened. He looks, he sees all the dead bodies. He lifts up the tarp. He sees the drugs sitting there. He looks, he's, and he looks around. He talks to the guy in the pickup truck. He says, where's the last guy? There's got to be, where's the last man standing? And he goes and he finds that suitcase of money. That's, that's the stupid thing. He, he should know better than that. He should know better that, and he says it. Later on in the movie, he says, when are you going to stop looking for your $2 million, basically? Um, What is the point where you're going to stop looking for your lost $2 million? He understands that. that. And then later on, he finally figures out that, oh, this is how they're tracking me. He doesn't do that either. So there's a number of stupid things. the very, very first stupid thing, and this is sort of a minor stupid thing, is when that yokel police cop, police cop, the local cop puts Sugar behind him and then just gets on the phone and says, yeah, I got this, while Sugar is, you know, quietly slipping out, you know, slipping his handcuffs over his legs and then ends up strangling the guy. I mean, putting a suspect behind you, <laughs> that's ultimately, it's got to be one of the stupidest things ever, but he's a yokel local policeman, so... Okay, but if he had done, if he had simply been facing, if he, if his desk had been facing where he put the suspect, the movie probably wouldn't have happened in the way it did because Shigeru would have been put in, put behind bars. And if uh, if Llewellyn hadn't decided to take that money and instead turned it in or left it because he understands this massacre had happened, he would be alive. <laughs> so the movie wouldn't have happened if those those things hadn't happened. And him going after that. I'm not. I'm not suggesting, Tom, that that was that that in itself going to take the water to the guy was the stupid thing. I just love that his line. I'm fixing to do something dumber than hell, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Was was a great sort of capper on your topic. Yeah, I actually want to totally revise my complaint and say that I, you know I understand taking the money. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't understand that? In so many movies, like I love in a movie, by the way, when somebody takes money just for the heck of it, not because like their grandmother needs an operation or their house is going to be foreclosed. I mean. It's a lot of money. Yeah, you want that. Uh, so I understand that. Um, and I can't fault the way that, you know, the layout of the desk at the police station. Who knows? But I do now, upon second thought, it is stupid to take water to the guy. The guy's going to die. Yeah. And if he saves the guy's life, if he keeps him alive, it's just that much more likely that he's going to get caught or run down, right? right? Yeah. Like, why does he take that? That is stupid, right? Well, well there's that great moment where he's in bed and he goes, all right. He's, obviously, his conscience has been bothering. Right, right, right. But, 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 suck it up. I mean, if you're going <laughs> to yeah. take the money, you, you also got to let the guy die. Don't give him water. Don't make him live longer. Conscience leads to a lot of dumb ideas. Yeah, that is true. That gets people in trouble a lot. Yeah. All right, Kelly, one. What's your favorite uh, movie that wouldn't happen if someone didn't do something that was really stupid? My number one movie that people stupid happen wouldn't is um, the motion picture Battleship because. Um, we send like a signal to a planet we've never heard of, and uh, I guess we just say come invade us. But then they come and invade us. Like, but they only invade Hawaii, so they're stupid too. Everyone in the movie's stupid. The captain's stupid. 
Liam Neeson stupid. Not Rihanna. Yeah, Rihanna doesn't do anything. Stupid. <laughs> That's true. Actually, she's smart. She actually Mahal motherfuckers that one dude. But um, yeah, it's like you never even find out. Like, okay, well, so what's that planet again? Like, where are we gonna? Are we still at war with them afterwards, or do they just want to scrimmage? We'll find out in the sequel. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna lay out this situation for you guys. Let's say you have to mop up a hidden government operation. It's not going well. We've got to shut this down. We've got to disappear everyone who is connected to it. Um, just total salt of the earth. Pretend this never happened. Scrub it entirely. So you've got three people in a speeding car. You send one nervous, apparently rookie agent with a small caliber pistol to ambush these three people in the speeding car and you put her by the side of the road hiding. That's how you're going to clean up this operation. Furthermore, she stands in the middle of the road while the car is like way down the road and just starts popping off shots at it. Lucky for her, the car crashes. However, she didn't hit the driver. Furthermore, uh, three of the two of the people get away and run off in the woods. They're unarmed. Uh, and 13 years later, they come back and one of them kills her because she blows it. Uh What's the stupid thing, though? Is if yeah. that's how you're going to kill three people, that's how you're going to ambush three people in a speeding car by sending Kate Blanchett with a small caliber pistol. All right, no. fair enough. You kill them some other time. You gain their trust. If you're going to do a roadside ambush, at least block the road or something. Um, Wait, is this I, Elizabeth the Golden Age? I love the movie Hannah, but when oh. you think about it, you know, and she has the flashback to it. That's a terrible way to take out Eric Bana, and, and you know, one of the people is a, is a two year old baby. Right. Uh, uh, but she doesn't want to take that out, does she? Uh, well, well, she needs to scrub the operation. Presumably, you know, she might have, like, uh, spirited the baby away, but she doesn't even do that. Like, to close down this operation, she mainly has to kill Eric Bana, uh, and he gets away with the baby. But it just strikes me as that's a terrible way to, you know, I don't know what sort of assets they have ambush. in there. Yeah, it's just a terrible ambush. You know, block the road, arrange to meet him first or something. We don't know, but I just... That, that always strikes me on watching the movie. What does she hope to do with that little pistol when the car isn't even slowing down? Like She didn't try to stop the car or anything. Right, um, right, right, right. All right, let's see what the readers have for us. Oh, that, although that scene is so beautifully filmed. God, I, I, can't, I can't tell you. When you started describing that, I can just see it. I see the way that it unspools, the things that we see, the things that we're not shown. I love the way that, I love the way that scene works out. All right. Uh, one of the things that is interesting here is what the uh, the people who wrote in called this topic. Uh, Paul Weimer calls it uh, idiot balls. What? Uh, idiot balls. I don't know. He says there's so many idiot balls to choose from. Uh, number three, an American werewolf in London. If David and Jack hadn't decided traveling through the moors of England at night rather than staying on the road was a good idea, the attack and the plot of the movie would never have happened. That's a good point, uh, Paul Weimer. But many horror movies require people to take a bad detour. That's uh, and you know you don't know you're in a horror movie yet. You go, true, oh, it's going to exactly. be a manic comedy, right? And I'm going to be an Irish leprechaun, dry right. it, right? Or a drama, oh, and this will so. just be a, a drama, and this will just be a scenic part of the movie, like a scenic right. montage. You don't know what you're in. Uh, <laughs> Paul writes in The Gray, a movie I know we all like. Really, oh. leaving the crash site was an extremely boneheaded move that led to the survivors to encounter the wolves, the full force of the elements, and their demise. Uh, I think the wolves are going to get them at the crash. No. Oh, okay. 
Good response, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Kelly Wand, that was well argued. Paul Weimer's uh, favorite idiot ball, Battlefield Earth. If the Cyclos, led by John Travolta's turtle, had an yeah. intelligence slightly above that of flatworms, yeah. uh, Johnny and the rest of the humans would have gotten nowhere near the tech or weapons they needed to overthrow the Cyclos. As stupid as cavemen flying a thousand-year-old jets is, it's the Cyclos' own fault that they ever learned how. They learn on a flight simulator that that's the curl like, puts them on. Yeah. yeah, that's like Kelly's pick of Battleship. I, I think you guys are, yeah, way Anything too low hanging battle. fruit. Yeah, low hanging battle fruit. Uh, Rob Favre calls this movies caused by dumbness. Hmm. I like that one better. <laughs> it's a trilogy. Uh, number three, Juno. There are about 200 ways to avoid getting pregnant these days, and Juno couldn't manage to employ even one of them. Number two, The Avengers. Hmm. Ouch. So what do you about that? Huh. I'd say Avengers 2 more, but go on. Yeah. Loki makes a deal to allow an alien army to come to Earth in exchange for a throne. By the end of the movie, you really get the idea that Loki feels like he's in over his head, caught between an army he isn't really controlling and a group of heroes who blame him for all the destruction. As Tony says, I like that Rob calls him Tony. Tony. Yeah. As Tony says, there is no version of this where you come out on top. Hmm. Wait. Well, yeah. He does, though, doesn't he? Come out on top? What about Tony making Ultron? That's even dumber, isn't it? Whole other movie, though, but yeah. yeah. See what I'm saying? Fargo. Jerry Lundegaard's spectacularly ill-conceived plot to have his own wife kidnapped ends up backfiring for everyone. But at least it's fun to watch the wheels come off. Yeah, it's supposed to be dumb, I think, there. Uh, Yeah, he's not a criminal mastermind. We can cut him a little bit of slack. It's a true story. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, the money's still there. I saw it in the Martin Freeman one. Nick D. writes, calls these three really stupid decisions. Number three, Fargo. William H. Macy is not only incredibly stupid for hiring Buscemi and Stormari to kidnap his wife, but he doesn't even think to get their phone number in case he needs to call things off. It is fun to pick a good movie to do the topic on. Instead oh, of, like, here we go. Nick's second pick, No Country for Old Men. You could argue that Llewellyn taking the drug money in the first place is the stupid decision, but really, his stupidest moment was going back to give the dying drug dealer some water. Otherwise, he might have gotten um, away with it. And what do you mean, might have gotten away with it? Wait. No, he wouldn't have. He still had the, the tracker. tracker's in there. And, and his, Well, actually, the thing is, the tracker it has uh, a certain... Um, range. Range. And so the problem is leaving his pickup truck there when he does that. So then they can get the registration off of his pickup right. truck and find out where he is. Okay, so it is the water. Yeah, it's the tracker. Yeah, okay. So I think otherwise, yeah, he would have gotten away with it if he didn't give the guy water. He just brought water with him when he goes Uh, running. And then Blair Witch Project, would we still have had a movie if Idiot Michael hadn't kicked the map into the creek? Yes, we would have. Well, the witch made him do that anyway. Because that map was fucking useless. Dave Perkins calls this failures equals movies. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) The math one. Uh, his pick is 21 Jump Street, where a failure to know the Miranda rights leads to the two cops being reassigned to the high school job. <laughs> All of our other picks have melted away under scrutiny. Just about every movie involves failure, but such failure usually doesn't provide the reason for the movie to exist. All right. What's the quote? What is that? Did you actually say you have the right to... You help? have the right to be a lawyer, to become a lawyer. No, wait, you have the right to... You have the right to become an attorney. Yeah. You do, you do, sir. You do have the right to be. Ron Swanson. 
I don't necessarily want to watch that again. You know, I haven't seen either uh, Jump Street movie in since I've been a post uh, Parks and Rec fan. I should go back and watch those. I told you all the sequels are going to be canon from the credits of Twenty Two Jump Street. They're going to do a space one. Can with that. Uh, Chris Hornbossel. Number three, in 28 Days Later, if the environmental commandos are activists or whatever you want to call them, just pay attention to the way the apes in the cage are acting. Heck, if they listen to the scientist and see the fear in his eyes and hear the fear in his voice, if those folks just decide, hmm, maybe we need to be careful here and think this through, <laughs> then the plots for the two whole movies never happen. Right. Closer to God also applies by that standard. This is number two pick. I know the police chief can't swim, but he's got good instincts. If the mayor and town fathers of Amity just listen to the good advice of Brody and close the beaches in Jaws, by the way, I'm going to disagree strongly with this one in a minute. Uh-oh, here we go. Uh, then the little kid is never bitten in half by his life raft, on his life raft by the shark, the mom never puts out a reward, and grizzled old Quint never comes to town looking to collect. Okay, first of all, Quint did not come to town. He lives there. Uh, instead, Hooper is given time to work and tells them they for sure have a shark problem, and local authorities can be enlisted or something. But no, but no Quint, no boat, no three guys chugging it out out in it to kill a shark. Was okay. the shark just out to get Quint in particular because so, he knows he lives there? First of all, if they had oh. not, if they had closed the beach, the shark would have just swum somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. So no, or come on a different holiday. Now this whole NIMBY attitude about uh, killer great white sharks, Chris, I totally disagree with that. You've got to take care of the problems when they come up, or someone else is going to have to take care of it instead. Oh, boys, I think Tom's ready for his noon feeding. <laughs> That's a very good impression, Kelly Wand. Chris's number right. one pick. I like this one because it's a mistake that not only predicated a movie, it also happened in real life. And it's actually a bunch of dumb mistakes. You can pick your favorite. It starts with a guy named Frank Willis, oh, geez, who was working an overnight shift as a guard at the Watergate Hotel in D.C. in 72. He notices duct tape on a safety lock of a door. He removes it. Oh, speed. Five minutes later, he swings by the door again, and the tape is back. Mm -hmm. This is how All the President's Men begins. So many dumb mistakes. When we were smuggling beer kegs up to our dorm floor in college, even we knew not to do the door lock thing because it attracts attention. Furthermore, when they catch these guys, dumb mistake number two is that a bunch of them are carrying excessive amounts of money in $100 bills in sequential order. And from there, you can kick the dumb right upstairs to the very office of the president who made the whole thing possible in the first place. In an election year, when Nixon was destined to win one of the biggest landslides in history anyway. He's not a crook. Again, I don't know that this one counts uh, because uh, it's close to being a documentary. What uh, stuff really happened? Amity? Just just like oh. open, just like open water. If it really happened, can you blame it on the movie? What if the guard right. thought he was in Groundhog Day because the tape keeps reappearing? It's like wait. Arthur Giovanginelli writes number three, District Nine. Christopher Johnson, who successfully hidden part yeah. of the alien spacecraft under his shack for years, decides to give his canister of meticulously collected precious fluid to his dumb friend, <laughs> who has no chance of concealing it. Friends are dumb. Why he thought this was better than putting it into the shuttle that no one can find, I have no idea. This stupidity leads to Wickes finding the fluid and setting the movie in motion. What a maroon. Uh, I don't know about this one. Arthur picks the rover. Archie will not shut up about Ray, which angers Henry to such a degree that he causes their car to crash. Mm -hmm. I don't like that because it's just, you know, you're, you're hopped up after a heist. And, you know, the, the adrenaline is flowing. Plus, you're Ray's yelling annoying. at each other. 
He is yeah, annoying, yeah. Then they steal the main character's car, which starts the events of the movie. Archie just needs to shut his stupid mouth, and they would never have had to deal with Guy Pierce, but he is too dumb. Hmm. You know what? You go on the heist with the friends you have. That's yeah. just how it works. Not the friends you want. Arthur Giovanginelli's number one pick, Dr. Strangelove. While oh. General Jack D. Ripper's decision to attack the USSR is certainly stupid, the most moronic action in this movie is the Soviets not telling anybody about their doomsday device. As Dr. Strangelove himself points out, the whole idea behind such a device is that people know you have it. <laughs> Hiding mm. its completion so you can surprise people at a party at a party conference is monstrously idiotic. All right, any runners-up from you gentlemen? That's actually really good, because that way the... Uh that way, the the dude wouldn't even have tried to attack them. Uh, wait, does the dude? You, no, the dude doesn't even know about it. Like Jack D. Ripper doesn't even know about it. Yeah, I it's know. Like, but but if they had not kept it secret, then the whole premise of the movie wouldn't have happened because he he decides to attack the Soviet Union to, in order to create this. Mm. I mean, if he had known that the Doomsday Device existed, would he have done that? You might be giving him too much credit for rational thought when you consider that he thinks that uh, fluoride is making him impotent. All right, fair enough. That, that is his, that is why he does what he's doing. Yeah. I forgot about the precious bodily fluids. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, other runners up from you, gentlemen. I think camping at Crystal Lake after the third outbreak, you should just, you know, camp somewhere else. And also, don't bring girls to Skull Island. That's dumb. <laughs> Uh, the only other one I had was One False Move, but mainly because it's called One False Move. Ah, right. Yeah. What is the eponymous move, Dingus? Uh, I think it's uh, yeah, taking the wrong people on a on a on a job and then killing the wrong people. I don't know. I watched the opening <laughs> part of it. Uh, it doesn't really work, but I just like the idea of the the title One False Move being for this topic. Right. You don't see many heists, though. Like, if a heist just goes off perfectly because you didn't bring along the, the psychotic friend who blew it and killed the wrong person, right. you wouldn't get a movie made about your heist. Yeah. Right. So. All right. Uh, Dingus, what is next week's 3x3? Three three? What do you got for us? All right. Next week's 3x3 three three are your top three favorite uh, aquariums in movie. <laughs> uh, love it. Love it. Aquariums. Uh, All right. Age of Aquariums. Yeah. Aquariums. Do terrariums count? Uh, ter- terrariums don't count. I will allow, however, um, mainly I'm thinking about aquariums like the, like a fish tank in your house. Right. Um, if you want to expand it to something with SeaWorld, I'll allow it for this particular topic because I'm not sure how. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure where, where this is going. This actually comes from a movie that Tom recommended uh, a couple of weeks ago. You um, should almost take that off the table, I feel. Well, I'm... I, I haven't seen it, but I, oh, oh. but I'm just I actually uh, just thought of it because you recommended that particular movie. Right. Okay. Um, so it it uh, I have no idea how an aquarium plays into that particular movie, so uh, I can't take it off the table. I would feel uncomfortable doing so. Besides, no one knows what we're talking about. So exactly right. Um, so anyway, your top three aquariums in movies. I, I mean, I love the way that that aquariums are used in movies. So go with it. Is it Aquaria? Yeah, it's the age of aquariums. 
Mm-hmm. And so, go on, Dan, so, so tell people how they can participate. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you, Tom. Uh, so, you know, please do send in your ideas for your, your favorite ways aquariums are used in movies to uh, 3x3 at quarter3.com. And you just uh, email us by typing in 3x, the letter x, the number 3, at quarter2.3.com spelled out. Um, and then you just send in your emails, and we will read them on the air, as we have tonight. And if you haven't include your picks, and if you haven't already, see Terminator Genesis, which we will be seeing for uh, next week's podcast, and we'll discuss that, and then uh, talk about our aquariums. I'm Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Molnowski. It's Christian Morowski. And we had Kelly Wand. Hearts aren't heart shaped. Asses are. Should I put them down? Should I keep them? Ethan and Elizabeth Not getting along on the stairs Well, do I tell my wife? Dingus, let's clone ourselves and do three podcasts a week. Kelly, you're closer to God than any of us. <laughs> well, you know, the process of, You mean just because I'm high? <laughs> I have Tourette's.